You join us on our perch at the far end of the bar. He's Ben. He's Richard. And he's had a touch of the Covid, haven't you? I've had a bit of the old Rona. Oh, dear. It, it will, And it was bad. Well, yeah. You know, I don't want to labour the point, and um, I'm not looking for any sympathy, and I haven't had any. No. Um, but, yeah, it wasn't uh, it wasn't pleasant. Best wasn't avoided, good. is my advice. Still not completely over it. If I have a coughing fit, you can blame the government. Indeed. Uh, and we'll we'll edit... The, the government will be providing money to edit that out. The government will be providing money to edit that out, but then they'll be claiming it back later through some sort of bizarre tax. So... Uh, it's yeah. the COVID loan. Thanks for that, Rishi. Which isn't really... It's a loan, and, mm. and we'd like your money back, please. I heard when they get all the money back in the tax, they're going to have a massive party. But Are it's they? not going to be a party. It's not going to be a party. See... Nope. He, 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 he spends two weeks led flat on his back and he gets all political. <laughs> this is what I have to put up with when you're not here. A ranting man. I'm reminded of two phrases that my granny used to use. If you were laid up for any, any length of time, you probably had the lurgy. Mm -hmm. Or the screaming abdabs. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure and that's was... definitely not politically correct the screaming <laughs> abdabs <laughs> you know I looked it up because I thought I can't say that mm. uh, I mean I should I'd be you know ostracized sent somewhere uh, probably Rwanda um, <laughs> but I, I can't be I can't be saying things like the screaming abdabs because obviously my granny you know a lady who was born around the turn of the, the last century um, would not have been politically correct uh, and it would have been part of a lexicon. But no, the screaming abdabs, it probably had something to do with... Um, uh, um, it, it, well, you would have a, a fit of the vapours. OK. And that would be called the screaming abdabs. A fit of the vapours? Yeah, well, there you are. There's another phrase from donkeys years ago that nobody understands anymore. Uh, that is the collective noun for the oiks you see outside of pubs. Namely, Weatherspoons. That's the vapours. Sucking away <laughs> on their electronic <laughs> devices. And there are now vaping shops. You see, uh, people will say, of course there are vaping shops. There have been vaping shops now for donkey's use. Mm. Um, but I, I've never been in one. Uh, my sister still partakes of the weed, uh, but every now and then tries to wean herself off it mm. uh, by the vaping. And I did have a, have a, a mouthful of the vape. Because I thought, well, this, this, this is because I haven't smoked for nigh on thirty years now. Mm. Um, but I, I thought, well, you know, what what is this thing that everybody? Because it looks like dragon smoke. If you're ever behind someone in a mm. car, and, and and they're vaping in the car, suddenly the the car windows will open and this dragon smoke will come out. It's extraordinary. What is that? Smoke or steam or what is it? It's like following Cheech and Chong. <laughs> <laughs> and we're not even going to explain that you either got that reference or you didn't get that reference if you're under 18 look it up well if you're under 18 what the hell are you doing listening to this <laughs> I've got no sympathy get a life. Just, just go and look it up um, hypnotism I'll just throw that out there <laughs> have you ever been hypnotised do you know anything at all about the noble art of hypnotism I know very little about the noble art of hypnotism. What, what I do know is that when you go to a hypnotist's show, yeah. they um, uh, scour the audience, don't they? Yes. To work out which people are going to be susceptible 
to the hypnotism. And I've always assumed, I've never been, I've always assumed I'd be one of the people they'd just look at and say, nah, you're not, you're not susceptible oh, to no, this. Oh, no, no. It's not as scientific as that. They, they don't kind of watch people as they come into the venue so much as go for the people who've put their hands up. Right. <laughs> who I need 12 volunteers. Woo! The hands go, oh, come on then. And, and then it's the first 12 people who make it to the stage. And the next thing you know, you're pulling a banana out of your bottom. Or clucking like a chicken. <laughs> I'll say that again. Clucking like a chicken. <laughs> I'll come on to a story about a hypnotist a little bit later. Can I offer you a drink? Yes. Go on, then. Well, I'm not offering you a drink this week. Uh, oh. Instead, I'm relieved. going to suggest that you don't ever drink this. Okay. Well, I mean, that could apply to pretty much all of the drinks you've offered Everything me so except far. Except for one, uh, so far. I think mm. there's only one thing that you've ever said. Yes, I'll, I'll, I'll have a half of that. Mm. Uh, this is Peruvian frog juice. Uh. In Peru, hence the Peruvian, in Peru there's a drink that some call frog juice. It's a traditional preparation made of raw, skinned frogs. Yeah, important you skin the frogs. I've yeah. always said that. Yeah. Always said that. With in- It's blended with ingredients such as maca root and honey. Mm. And this tonic is mostly sold as an aphrodisiac. Okay. Isn't everything? Yeah. <laughs> Though it's also claimed to cure everything from asthma to osteoporosis. Oh. There is no scientific evidence... For its efficacy. Isn't there? None. There's none. None at all. Well, but you get a man in a check suit and a bowler hat standing on an upturned crate, yeah. and he will sell gallons of it. The frog of choice <laughs> uh, comes from the waters of Lake Titicaca. It's mm, the Lake Titicaca water frog. The home of the best frog juices. See, you know, it's famous, travelled far and wide. Things have become so dire for this once common amphibian, uh, which got the nickname Scrotum Frog, <laughs> from the many folds of its skin. Oh my goodness. That the, I'd like to bring you the colour. That the International yeah. Union for the Conservation of Nature, the body that sets the conservation status of, status of species, defies it, defines it as critically endangered. Okay, because it's so damn ugly. You're not going to drink um, the Peruvian frog juice, which is squeezed out of the scrotum. No, it's just disgusting. Despite the (laughs) fact that there is absolutely no scientific evidence that Peruvian frog juice has any medical benefit at all, it's still sold and still drunk by people convinced it will cure all manner of ailments. Here, on the far end of the bar, we are saying, if someone comes up to you and suggests that you partake of a glass or two of Peruvian frog juice with their... It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether they're Beyonce or (laughs) whether they're Richard Bacon or some (laughs) other A-list celebrity. (laughs) Say no. Eschew the frog juice. You often hear of Beyonce randomly approaching strangers and offering them drinks, don't you? You've heard that story as well. Yeah. Got something you want to tell us? Email thefarendofthebar at gmail.com or find us on Insta, Twitter or Facebook using the hashtag TFEOTB. If you're planning to have a baby Mm -hmm. 
and you're already dreaming of it becoming an Olympic champion, then may I suggest you start to get busy around the 23rd of July. And the reason for this is that British Olympians born nine months after the 23rd of July on the 23rd of March have between them amassed 22 gold medals. There will be people out there shouting coincidence. Well, I mean, maybe, but Sirs Chris Hoy, Jason Kenny, Stephen Redgrave and Mo Farah, all knights of the realm. Oh, yeah, indeed. Jason Kenny has won seven golds and nine Olympic medals in total. Chris Hoy has won six golds, seven Olympic medals in total. Stephen Redgrave has won... Quite a lot. Five golds. And Mo Farah has won... Five golds. Six. Four golds. Four, 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 four. <laughs> this is why you ask me the questions in the pub quiz. So, also born on the 23rd of March, Roger Bannister. Uh-huh. First man ever to run a mile in under four minutes. Incidentally, here's a little thing that I didn't know about that day. Do you know who was on the PA on the day that Roger Bannister became the first person to run a mile in under four minutes. Was it the great Murray Walker? It was not. It was Norris McWhirter. Ah, yes. Later of Guinness World Records fame. Yes, he was a sports um, sports uh, commentator for a time. He was, yeah. He had a twin brother. He did, yeah. Ross and Norris. So Norris was also the sidekick to the great Roy Castle on record breakers. Yes, he was. Right? Yeah. yeah. There, there would have been no uh, record breakers. I, I want to go into the song now. There would have been mm. no record breakers without Roy Castle, and there certainly wouldn't have been world records without uh, Ross, Ross and Norris McGuirter. Dedication. Ooh, dedication. Here's what you need. Every time we do the pub quiz and I say, that requires some rumination, that's the song I hear in my head. Rumination. Rumination. <laughs> Other people born on the 23rd of March. What? Are you ready? Yes, I am. And it's a long list. It's an incredible day for births. Okay. Damon Arban. Yes. The lead singer of Blur. Princess Eugenie. Well, I'm glossing over that one. Russell Howard. Joanna Page. Uh, Stacey, out of Gavin and Stacey. Oh, well, yes, okay. Marty Pello from The Wets. Yes. Donald Campbell, speedster. Michael Nyman, great uh, composer. The piano player, yeah. The one and only legendary Barry Cryer. <laughs> oh, God bless him. Absolutely. Michael Atherton as well. An astonishing 75 current or former professional footballers, 31 cricketers and 15 professional rugby union players. Crikey, all On the 23rd of March. So that is why I suggest that when the 23rd of July comes around, Ooh. you get yourselves, Ooh. you know... Be ready. Get yourselves one of those frog juices we were talking about earlier yes. as an aphrodisiac. Yes. And, uh, you know, a bit of furky-tootling. Indeed. Furky-tootling that leads to gold medals. <laughs> That's the way ahead. <laughs> pub quiz. Always up for a pub quiz. OK, nice easy one for you this week then, Ben. Ooh, good. Name in order the first six actors to play James Bond. Oh, my God. Oh, you can do this. Come on. Lazenby. In order. In order. Yeah. 
Name in not? order the first six actors to play James Bond. Are you going with George Lazenby as the first one? No, it was um, your, oh, man. It was your man who did blockbusters, right? Oh, on the radio. Oh, Jim, Jim Nocty. I'll have a P, Jim. Uh, what was his name? <laughs> was it Jim? No, I can it, see it. It wasn't see Jim. Him. Uh, what was his name? Anyway, well, was that the guy? You're, yes. Well, you're, 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 because you're heading in such a a, a, a rich vein already, mm. I'm going to give you Bob Holness. Bob, of course. Who's Who used to be known in the family as Jim. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On a Wednesday. Uh, Bob, Bob Holness, Bob, very good. He was the first one. He was. Then, then Lazenby. Am I right? Um, uh, okay. uh, George Lazenby, right, okay. Then... I can tell you're a fan of the series. I'm not, do you know what? I haven't watched a James Bond film in about 20 years. No. Anyway, so I'm going to go with. I'm just going to reel them off the ones I can remember now right, at this point. Right, okay. So, Holness, Lazenby, yes. Moore, Connery, um, uh, what was his name? That Piers Brosnan. Piers Brosnan. Yeah, that's five. Yeah. Uh, and then after Brosnan was. Um, Uh, I don't know. Daniel Craig. Whatever. Now, you know it wasn't Daniel Craig. No, I do know it wasn't Daniel Craig, but I can't remember any others. Okay. Do you want the answers now, or do you want, or should we come back as is tradition? No, there's no point in me doing any ruminating on that one because okay. I've I've got no idea. Well, you're kind of in the right area with with in that you've got some of the names right, but not necessarily in the right order. Bob Holness is in the list, but he wasn't the first. Um, a man called Barry Nelson mm-hmm. was the first to play James Bond, 1954, Casino Royale, on the telly. Oh, and like he was American. Series? And he was American. So it was the the very first 007 was an American. Okay. Well, that doesn't make any sense, does it? No, because he was famously a British spy. Indeed. So uh, we'll strike that one from the list, but he was first, 1954. 1956, Bob Holness. I'll have a pee, please, Jim. Um, In a radio production of Moonraker for the South African Broadcasting Mm -hmm. uh, Company, Springbok Radio, 1956. He was a presenter and occasional actor. Mm. Uh, Worked with Bob for many years when I brought Call My Bluff back to television. Oh, right. Yeah. We have you to thank for that. Yes, you do. You have me to thank for that. Uh, I wanted Alan Corrin and Sandy Toxford and Bob Holness. Okay. And he was a lovely, love, immaculate man, uh, Bob. Even when he were he, he would arrive immaculate, mm. and then he would go into his dressing room and come out even more immaculate. <laughs> but uh, he, he was yeah, lovely. The immaculation machine. He, and the immaculation. The immaculation above all this. <laughs> uh, he was a lovely man, a real gentleman. Uh, the third one, uh, which is the first one on film, Sean Connery, your pillock. Well, I mean, there's no good saying your pillock, is it? Yep. If I haven't seen them, even, I don't even, know. Even my unborn grandchildren know that Sean Connery was the first James Bond on film. I, I mean, I'm not casting any doubt on the cognitive abilities of your unborn grandchildren, but no, they don't. Uh, so you say. Uh, the fourth one was David Niven. 
Sir James Bond, 007. Um, it was kind of an it was an unofficial. Uh, well, I suppose it was an official James Bond, but it wasn't part of the film James Bond series because uh, that's the, why I didn't mention it because it yes, was unofficial. Yes. Well, he was he was the fourth person to play. Um, <laughs> James Bond. Uh, uh, there was a producer called Charles K. Feldman who had the rights to Casino Royale, and and, and they were going to make it. And they were going to make it just like uh, um, the, the very first couple made by Sean Connery, but uh, they couldn't get it together, and they made Casino Royale, which is a terrible film. Oh, I mean, truly awful. But the actual one the, with David Niven in is just terrible. Did they remake that latterly? Uh, yes, they remade Casino Royale into a brilliant film with Daniel Craig. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, uh, and, uh, oh, there, there's a couple of things to mention, I suppose, when it comes to Casino Royale. One was uh, that uh, there's about five or six directors who were associated with it. They all did little bits, and then everybody fell out with Peter Sellers because he was in it as well. Um, um, there were... There's three named writers, but just about everybody who appeared in the film also ended up writing little bits and pieces. The soundtrack is by Burt Bacharach. Yeah. He won an I've Oscar. i met Burt Bacharach. I could have asked him. You met Big, Big Bacharach? I met Burt Bacharach. You met Burt Bacharach. <laughs> did you? I did, yeah. At Glastonbury, of course. Where else? He was in the back of my car. Again, an extraordinarily dapper man. Yes. Um, upright, uh, in just the most polite, uh, old-fashioned, courteous gentleman. What an absolute treat that was. We he was in the back of my car for about three and a half minutes. Very good. <laughs> but all the but same, I Some met of his him. songs didn't last that long. <laughs> True. Uh, it was the 60s. Two minutes 30 was plenty for a song. Um, if I'd have known, I could have asked him about the uh, order of James Bond actors. I'm sure he would have been able to tell me. Can we come back to Burt Bacharach? Because, um, well, I'll tell you why when we come back. We'll circle back, and in a, a future episode, we will we will talk Burt Bacharach, because he is very, very, very important musically. Mm. So write that down. Um, so David <laughs> Niven is in there. Um, just while we're also talking about Casino Royale, just one other really bizarre strange uh, thing to mention there were lots of um, guest stars uh, people who were uncredited in Casino Royale um, but I think one of the strangest ones was Darth Vader who played the Frankenstein monster mm. Dave Prouse Dave Prouse in his very first film role mm-hmm. um, played the Frankenstein monster in Casino Royale Right. A James Bond film. I'm not. I'm not familiar with no. any of the Casino Royales. Well, all you need to know is that that we're inhabiting different universes, film universes here. And you say a, a lot of people wrote on that original Casino Royale. Yeah. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> for about thirty seconds each. In the sixties? Uh, yes, sixty-seven. Oh, okay, so just around, you know, LSD and acid. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> and that's how Frankenstein came to be in the James Bond <laughs> Casino Royale. Um, so so far we've got uh, Barry Nelson, Bob Holness, Sean Connery, David Niven, George Lazenby. You mentioned I did, yeah. Um, his one and only outing is James Bond. Not mm. tremendously good, but but a but a good film. Really? Odd that he wasn't. I don't. I don't think he's very good. 
but the film is very good. Which one was it? On His Majesty's. On yes, on Her Majesty's. Oh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service. And the baddie in that was Telly Savalas. Was he? <laughs> Cracker! <laughs> I've still got it. I can still do him after all these years. Give me a lollipop. Um, yeah, I mean, how useful too to yeah. be able to still do. Well, indeed. Telly this is why I gave up a a, 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 a flourishing <laughs> career as a as a stage impressionist. All my impressions are fifty years old. And the the um, second final one was Roger Moore, who you did mention. Mm. Okay, so given I'm not really a James Bond fan, you did quite I'd well. Say, I mean, I've got you I've got rubbish. four out of six names correct, and two or three of them in the correct order. But possibly. Well, I mean, that's not bad for a, a James Bond review. For someone who who is uh, who didn't even know that Sean Connery was the first man on the film to play James Bond. Um, I was re- I was reading uh, Dennis Norden's memoir. Uh, the other day, Clips from a Life, which is full to bursting with great stories about the beginnings of radio and television. And there's a story in there about Peter Sellers. And very early in his career, uh, he was given a job on the radio, uh, Dennis Norden, who was a a behemoth, a titan of radio at the time. He remembers that Sellers got stage fright um, he was very confident to start with, but but when they got to rehearsals and everything, got stage fright. And there was another member of the cast said, "Look, if you get the stage fright, I can recommend a hypnotist." Mm. And everybody looked at Sellers and thought he would go off his rocker because he was a bit like that. And instead, he said, "No, I'll, I'll yes, what a good idea!" And off mm. he went to see this hypnotist. But when he got back in the rehearsal room. He fell into a fit of the giggles. Uh, and it wasn't that every time anybody closed the door, he would jump up and shout Adolf Hitler. It was because sometimes they plant that thought, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the hypnotist had put him under, and Sellers, in his retelling of his experience, said that he'd woken up before he was supposed to, and he heard the man tell him, that he would now have more self-confidence, he would no longer be racked with stage fright, and then he said, I don't like to talk about the money, sir, but when you leave the office, could you see the receptionist and settle the bill? (laughs) Now, whether or not this was for an extortionate amount of money or not, I don't know, but he planted the idea of paying the bill in with the suggestions for the new confidence, which is a neat trick if you can do it. But Peter Sellers... Obviously did that, and he he thought because he he remembered so much about it that he hadn't been hypnotized. Mm-hmm. But I was hypnotized. Were you? I was, and when I tried to stop smoking, right. I tried to stop smoking, and I was working uh, at a holiday camp, and every fortnight, because we worked on a two weekly basis. There were acts that would tour the holiday circuit. Mm. Every two weeks, this guy would turn up. We'll call him Mr. X, shall we? This hypnotist. Um, And and I was always after him to put me under and to help me 
stop smoking. Okay. So he said, well, no, yeah, well, you know, because obviously he had a, like a, a, a medical clinic as well as his stage act. So he'd go off and charge people for this. And there was this oik of a compare saying, can I have a freebie? Um, but anyway, what happened was that, as you alluded to just now, um, he needed volunteers for his show. Right. So um, he would call for volunteers. And basically, I, I think it was the first, I can't remember, 12, 20 people who got to the stage would come up on stage, get a round of applause, they'd sit down on chairs, and those people would be the people who would be the stars of the show. So they'd like have a, they'd have a race to the stage? Yeah, pretty and much. The, the first 10, 15, 20 people there were the chosen ones. Yes, they were. And, and Meanwhile, a, Margaret, who's got a gammy leg, desperate <laughs> to have a go, unfortunately, unfortunately left behind. There was wow. a special channel for Margaret's. <laughs> Anyway, as I said, this was many moons ago um, during summer seasons at Butlin. So I got to know him a bit because he was on the circuit, this Mr. X. And he would arrive every two weeks and do his show and then head off to the other camps before getting back to us. Uh, and he looked and he dressed. Um, there was no showbiz about him at all. Nothing at all. He looked like an assistant manager in a carpet shop. <laughs> Nothing remotely show busy about the way he presented anything. You will buy this axe. <laughs> you are looking for some deep shag. You are looking for some deep shag. Um, and, and and at that time, as I say, I was a I was a young man in my early twenties. Want to give up smoking? Eventually, I convinced him to give me a freebie. And I can tell you that being hypnotised was very weird because I experienced what Peter Sellers experienced in that you could hear what was going on but there was other stuff going on as well because there were a couple of stagehands around who told me afterwards some of the things that I did that I didn't remember doing mm. um, and, like putting my arm out um, to my side and it was like and he suggested it was an iron bar and he was getting the stagehands to push down on it and they couldn't budge it right. now I don't, you, even as a young man in my 20s I didn't have that kind of um, iron bar facility certainly not in the arms and so what would happen was that you would hear all of this going on and then you three to one you come out of it and yes he did stop me smoking for about three or four weeks mm. but I was a young man and I didn't really want to give up smoking and you've no, got to really want to give up smoking haven't you? You have and there's too many temptations when you're a holiday camp compare I should Indeed. think oh, I'm there ever and smoking was just one of them. Mm. Um, but here's, here's the dark part of the story. Mr. X used to travel with an assistant who was Mrs. X. <laughs> and Mrs. X was a lady of a certain age. The kind of lady... Oh, now I've got to be generous here. Okay. But she didn't take an awful lot of trouble about the way she looked should we say that for someone okay. who was going on stage mm -hmm. it was a bit kind of haphazard right. there was definitely um, I mean she had she had a, a, a <laughs> she had a sparkly leotard which mm -hmm. was kind of at odds with his assistant manager in a carpet store kind of look yeah <laughs> but, but at the same time there was definitely a touch of the Miss Havishams about her oh okay right. you know 
Mm. Um, she'd squeeze herself into an old-fashioned showgirl's costume, and she liked to drink. Or seven. Okay. Yeah. You haven't hypnotised her out of that. Mm. So they'd turn up every couple of weeks, and Mr X would call for volunteers, and up they'd come onto stage, da-da-da-da-da-da. And uh, when, once he'd put them under, go through this period of, of um, suggesting things to them whilst music played and, and Mrs. X kind of wiggled her way around the stage. Mm. And then when they woke up, of course, on certain commands, they'd cry like a baby or cluck like a chicken or run around the stage. And Mr. X, the meek and mild assistant manager of the carpet warehouse, got the audience to be the star of the show. Okay. And he, was, he always went very, very well. Mm. Cut to the following year. Right. Uh, Mr. X was on another part of the circuit, so I didn't see him. Yeah. However, one Sunday night, he turned up at the theatre. And he's got a very glamorous assistant with him. 20 years younger, stunning in her stage costume. Mm. And that's not all. Um... The assistant manager from the carpet store has gone. Mr. X is now Mr. Vavavoom. <laughs> His hair is dyed. He's dressed all in black. He's rocking a gold medallion. And he comes onto stage wearing a cape. <laughs> <laughs> He's like a hero <laughs> hypnotist now, is he? He is. He is like the Doctor Strange of hypnotism, right. but like 50 years ago. And after the show, we, we met up and we had a chat, and I ventured to ask him what had happened to Mrs. X. He was very cagey at this point. And, oh, really? uh, well, well I, I'm sorry, I, I, I mean, we have to go. Nice to see you again. See you yeah. some other time. Bye. Bye. Ooh, and off he went. Intriguing. Hmm. So a couple of weeks later, I'm talking to a comedian about Mr. X, and he knows Mr. X. And I said, what, what happened? Did you see the new Mrs. X? <laughs> Where's Mr. I, I X didn't realise that his new assistant was also his new missus. <laughs> and I said to this comedian, who also will remain nameless, I said, what happened to his first wife? He said, well, as I understand it, one night she walked to the front of the stage as if in a trance, fell into the orchestra pit no. and broke her neck. <sighs> And we just looked at each other. Goodness me. I know. That's a that's a you need to you need to write that down, create a thirty minute episode and send it off to inside number nine. Do you think so? <laughs> um, because I and because the thing is that you you think stage hypnotism, oh it's all you know, it's all a gag, they're told what to do, da 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 da. And I suppose I, I mean I a very, very good friend of mine is uh, a mentalist. Mm. Someone, the great Chris Cox. The great Chris Cox. Is, is a man who uses his mentalism on stage to baffle. Worldwide, right? Indeed, He's been yeah. in Vegas, is yes. all, all over. And parts of the other universe as well. Mm. And he started uh, uh, on your... Yes, he did, on my radio, radio show. Donkeys yeah. years ago. But, uh, but now he's an international star. I often think of that because that's where I started too. Yes, and, and look at you now, international, <laughs> in in three or four roads round about where you live. Worldwide podcast, I was going to say success, show. but yeah, <laughs> no. no.
But anyway, see, good old Coxie. Yep. So I, so I, I, I'm, you know, I've never, t- I don't think I've ever told that story to Chris. Um, and it only came to me the other day when I was reading this thing about hypnotism and, and Peter Sellers, and I'd forgotten about it for years. But it's true. He, he said, as if in a trance, she walked towards the front of the stage, fell into the orchestra pit, and broke her neck. As if in a trance. Yes. And That's the key sentence there. Yeah, isn't and I've, I've, I never saw him after that. Never. Mm. Now it wasn't because I'd scratched uh, a wound, um, because you know it was just not booked to come back on that circuit and moved on. But um, he had a very delightful new Mrs. X and a brand new image, uh, which was obviously down to the influence of the new Mrs. X. Mm. Whereas the poor old Mrs. X was uh, was no more. Well, and we file that one under stories of mystery and suspense. Uh, And that's it for us for this time. Uh, Join us again at the far end of the bar when uh, we circle round. Until then, uh, reservoir, cheerio. That's time at the far end of the bar. You've been listening to Richard Lewis and Ben Orr. If you enjoyed your time with us, please don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure you catch the next episode. And find us on all the socials. Just search hashtag TFEOTB or email us at thefarendofthebar at gmail.com. Cheers! <laughs>